Welcome to a special episode of the Voices from the Northeast podcast. This is one of our episodes that forms part of the annual Festival of Remembrance. In tonight's episode, I'm going to discover all about the tragic and heroic events that occurred on November the 7th, 1941, at Newbigin by the Sea. I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. Run the titles, James. Welcome to the podcast, people. Morning, podcasters. You know, I was born in North Eden Colliery. I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion for absolutely fine. She went flying over me pole into Bustelli. Well, welcome back, everybody. Tonight's episode is a super special episode. I hope you're wrapped up warm, because we're going to go outside into a very cold November night. On Sunday this week, uh, Sunday the 7th, I was very kindly invited to join Newbegin's genealogy group, or genealogy society, to take part in a walk um, that first of all started in their memorial park, and then made its way down the main street towards the town centre as we retraced the route and the events of an absolutely harrowing night in the town's history that I had no idea even, you know, was a part of its history. That is the night that a German bomber came in from the sea, flew up the high street and offloaded bombs onto the town below so I'm, I'm going to take you with me um, first to the Memorial Park uh, through its big iron gates um, to the really fitting little uh, memorial that they have right in the centre of the park there. Um, so wrap up warm. It's November the 7th, uh, so do be aware that there is the occasional firework in the background. <laughs> Just adds to the atmosphere. And this was recorded live, so I've done what I can to make sure sound levels are uh, at a good point for everyone to be able to hear. There's the occasional car passing in the background, and sometimes when people are talking, the volume might dip because they've turned away whilst they were talking. But for the most part, I think it's uh, it's a really, really good recording, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to this. You're going to hear it effectively through my ears. The microphone is me on this event. So... Hat, gloves and scarf on. Let's step through the big iron gates of the Memorial Park and join everyone. They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, or the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
Okay, welcome. Thank you for turning out on this uh, cold, but at least dry, dry evening. And uh, we're going back to the uh, this this time almost exactly 6 p.m. on uh, eight, 80 years ago. 6 p.m. on what was Friday, November the 7th, 1940-41. Um, this park would have been uh, here. Uh, then there wouldn't have been any lights on at all. It would have been really dark. It would have been the blackout. So probably, probably this sort of level of fine. level of illumination. I'd be getting oh, I'd be getting the air raid precautions. <laughs> put, people put that after me for these uh, <laughs> for, for these torches. Um, so here we are across the road uh, is the railway station, and there's actually a train just coming into the uh, in, into the station which is obviously going to be it's a steam train so presumably it's going to be showing some sort of, uh, of, of lights November 1941 is absolutely the depths of the uh, of, of the war I mean unknown to Newbigin people probably thousands of people have started being gassed and exterminated by the by the Nazis, it's the start of the uh, the Holocaust on mainland Europe. Um, it's obviously a year or so after the after the Battle of Britain. There's a huge blitz going on. Tyneside's being blitzed. Um, about a month earlier in Newcastle, 50 people had been killed in one uh, in one in one evening. But regular bombings of Newcastle and uh, and Sunderland. And the only thing that had affected Newbigin so far was that earlier in the year, a mine which presumably had broken free from, from Blythe, where they had all sorts of submarine bases. Uh, so a British mine um, exploded at the, uh, in, this, in the little bay over the church point and blew out all the windows in the, uh, in, in the church. There would have been rationing, there would have been tremendous fear of... Uh, of being attacked as we know the prom was covered with barbed wire people weren't allowed on the beach unless you had to go out fishing uh, and um, and the place would be full of soldiers because they uh, they absolutely feared that there would be uh, there'd be landings in Northumberland and some of the wide beaches of, uh, of, of Northumberland. So the place was full of soldiers billeted here in uh, in, in Newbigin. But despite that, the good folk of Newbigin were going about their business on Friday evening, and the Waller Pictures was operating down the street and there were people at this time oh there's, there's explosions going <laughs> off already guns there'd be um, people would be going down to, down to the pictures uh, people would be going to the doctors people would be uh, um, the scouts were on uh, young people would be going to, uh, to, to to that and so people are just going about their normal sort of of, of business when a German aeroplane without warning flew in from the sea this bomber this twin engine bomber huge thing with a great glass canopy in the in the front flew up 
front street, where I, uh, where, uh, right up front street, from, from out of the bay, up front street, way up to, uh, to Dixon's Corner. And it was, fly, it was flying with navigation lights on to it, lighting what was, uh, what was below it so they could, the, the people on board could see what they were aiming at, dropping two, according to the official report, three, according to, uh, to some new biggin people, uh, high explosive bombs, 250 kilogram bombs, 500 pounds, uh, bombs, uh, a hundred, a hundred bags of potatoes, of uh, in in weight, but of high explosive, and dropping those onto the people of Newbiggin. And we start with with absolute tragedy. Uh, this was a terrible tragedy, and I just think we should read out the names of the people who who died. Oh God, Billy Armstrong. There was a child killed on this street 80 years ago. Billy Armstrong, who was only 15, who lived at 14 Emerson Road up at the uh, up at the colliery, and Billy was on his way to the scouts that uh, that, that night, and then other people from Newbegin, Agnes Hogg, who was age 66, and she was in, she lived with her husband at one aged miners homes, just by uh, by Milburn Park uh, there. Um, and then Joseph Hogg, no relation, uh, a, a young man about 30, uh, with a with a child, with a wife and, and child who lived at 47 North Seaton Road, uh, just up at the uh, at the West End. Um, John Jewers, who was 25, uh, from 14 Deans Avenue, up at the uh, up at the Colliery, and the only non-Newbigan person, Private Fred Lamb of the 5th Battalion of the Cheshire Regiment who was 25 years old and he was billeted in, uh, in, in Newbegin as I've said, one of the people who was here to protect the coastline against, uh, against invasion uh, James Turnbull of Three Aqua Terrace who's a middle-aged chap just Three Aqua Terrace just over the, uh, at the edge of the, of the park there who was a, a builder and uh, and and then Mary Jane Turner, who was a, a, a woman, also, I think the oldest person in her late 60s, who was from 28 Melrose Terrace. So, I mean, you can see that the people from uh, Aged Miners Homes, North Seaton Road, Aqua Terrace, Melrose Terrace, were all heading down to the, to the town centre, basically. The soldier was killed because he threw himself over yeah. a pram. Yes, he was and the, indeed. And the baby survived and he was killed indeed oh. and you know the, the a tremendous act of, uh, of of split second heroism and you know the the events that we're talking about two two seconds basically oh. to, to happen mm. you know I think it was about a minute between the the, the, the the plane flying over one end of the of the front street and flying over flying over the end of Dixon's corner there so split second thinking and um, Fred uh, for a private lamb threw himself, as you say, in front of a pram. There was a young chap in it who's, who uh, lived for another 80 years, called uh, Andrew Rogerson, who sadly passed away now. But he was he was the occupant of the pram, and Private Lamb, who apparently was cycling up the front street on his bike, uh, threw his bike to one side and threw himself in front of the child and took the full force of this 
of this blast. So authentic hero come to Newbiggin and uh, saved the life of a, of a baby and lost his in the, in the process. So let's just stand here just for a minute and not stay out and just have a think about it. It was truly moving and equally fascinating to stand in that park on a normal Sunday evening and imagine 80 years ago as people like now went about their everyday business, albeit with the strangeness of, of the middle of the war or the early days of the war. Anyway, you know, on such a night, all hell breaks loose and ends in, in such tragedy. After taking a moment at the Memorial Park to remember those who were killed, uh, we then took a walk down the main road towards the town centre. Now, I have walked this path so many times, most often actually, um, at Christmas time when my family and I would park the car and, and walk down to the church to attend the absolutely wonderful Christmas carol service that we always have just before Christmas. Um, it absolutely sets the mood for Christmas and I really, really have my fingers crossed um, that we can do it again this year because it was sorely missed during the darker Christmas days um, of Covid last year. Anyway, on the walk, the wonderfully knowledgeable team pointed out so much of the current town that still holds the scars of that night from marks and, and, and divots in the path made by shrapnel to marks in the walls of a house on the opposite side of the road to where the bombs dropped. Um, all things that, once you know they're there, they're impossible to miss and absolutely bring this moment to life, you know? Um, I tell you what, let's rejoin the group uh, just as we begin the walk back down into the town. So I hope you didn't unwrap your scarf there. Sorry if you did. Rewrap it, pull your hat back on, and let's head back out into the night. Okay, so we're just going to have a walk down the street and so basically say. Yeah. Quite authentic having those rockets I know, going on. Some of them had perfect yeah. timing, didn't they? Really? Yeah. Especially organised. Oh, I was going to say that's a dramatic recitation. <laughs> All right, Trish. Oh. Just pull it. There we go. You want to be near me? We're actually going going backwards, really, but we can't uh, can't help that. Yeah. So uh, the Waller. Where was the Waller then? Do you know where the Central Club is? Yes. Just just next to there, wasn't it? Oh, There's okay. Some Now? Yeah, there's some, oh, there's okay. We did a couple of episodes on cinemas in Asherton oh, right. um, a, a while ago, and I was amazed at how many cinemas there were for one thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, right. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and obviously, Waller were quite a popular. Yeah, I guess the owners. Yeah. That's it. Yes, one of the Lawsons. Yeah. Num number 14 you can just you can see the name on the the number on on the gate there yeah. was the Methodist manse and the Reverend Morley thank thankfully for the Reverend Morley and his family they were all out um, because the Methodist we, if, if there were three bombs 
one of them fell right on uh, right on there. If there were only two bombs, one of them fell just behind Springfield House and blew, uh, and, but but really destroyed 14 and 16 Front Street. I mean, we're, John will tell us that we're talking about huge, huge damage done to uh, to, to Front Street. What is it, 180 houses or something? 160, I think, but it's yeah, round about yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of these houses yeah. were um, they were affected in some way or other. I know that in number 14, the man who, whose son lives there, I got him the map of the construction that had to happen after the war. They all got, uh, got money in 1947 to repair the buildings, the 160 buildings yeah. in Newbigan. Yeah, and uh, he's got it up on the wall. Oh, that's a cracking he's, bit he's, of history to keep, He's got it on the wall it? for his, his son. Um, I mean, obviously, I've never seen Brian. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Brian. Brian. Lives beside the Sally's army. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot what that name is. Uh, and so, yes, all of the houses, they were practically decimated, these houses. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because the bombs were dropped behind them. Yeah. In... Wow in what was the co-op where not the co-op the the council where they had their their stuff right peter main who wrote a book about this for us yeah. remem he... remembered playing in the ruins of these houses of 14 and 16 when he was a yeah, when the, he was a kid the worst yeah. ones that were burnt out will come to them yeah, yeah. further down yeah. but these, these were all I mean, like, seriously damaged. Can mm. you imagine two bombs going off down the back lane? Yeah. Gosh. And big, and big, shrapnel. massive yeah, bombs. Yeah, the shrapnel damage. You know, it was a shrapnel, and then, of course, it set fire to the houses. Amazing yeah. yeah. amount of damage. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's very, very hard to imagine. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, and I still was, living their lives. I was born during the war, like. You know, that there is, um, like, the, the church. It is, it is now a church that's, that's closed. Right. But that house was completely obliterated. That was, well, yeah, okay. was Wellmeadow House, and doc, Dr. Angus had his surgery there, as mm -hmm. well as it being a, ba a sort of base for the Catholic Church. No, no, uh, the Catholic Church wasn't well. there at all. Was it not? I thought no. that I thought No, no, had... no. The Catholic Church was built on the ruins. Oh. This, this was Wellmeadow House, and... Uh, that, as Joan says, it was uh, it was completely smashed, right. and it was a doctor surgery as well. So presumably anybody visiting the doctors was. Uh, well, I, actually, I think I think the doctors actually wasn't on or something. It like. wasn't because yeah. it was it was yeah. a Friday or something like yeah. that, and it was closed. But somebody went and knocked on the door, yeah. and they said, "I'm sorry, the doctor's not in." You go, and they went away, and they survived, uh -huh. and the whole lot was because all of these houses were severely damaged yeah but not as bad as the next ones i'm going to come no. to because my uh, uncle lived in that one oh, and no. they had to go and actually stayed at someone's house at number one Grasmere Terrace yeah. and then he went up to the West End and he bought a, 
a house for them to live in until they got this one repaired. And um, his name was Gibbons, he was the bookie, before bookies were illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so the people in the houses survived, did they? The bombed houses. Well, no. the, 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 yes, these were the people on the street who were, uh, were killed. It was yeah. the property yeah. that, uh, you know, that was damaged, severely yes. damaged. But there's some people in the, in the houses survived. Oh, yes. It, yeah. says, it says a lot for the construction of the houses, really, yes. doesn't yes. it? Yes. Substantial yeah. housing. Um, this was the... Um, the gardener's cottage here, but at the time this was a, uh, a big sort of allotment uh, area and the gentleman who lived in that cottage took in a couple of women who'd been caught up in the blast on the, wow. on the street and they actually found the tail fin of one of the bombs in, the, uh, in, the in, the, in this garden here, which is how they worked out how big they'd actually been. At the top, at the top of Argyll, of course, was the gasworks, and people say people often said that that's where what what the what the plane was aiming for. But I don't know about that. But anyway, it, it, it was just up the. Uh, they, they weren't very far from the gasworks. Goodness wow. knows what would have happened if they'd actually yeah. hit. Well, uh, hit these, there were only three houses here. That, that last bit, that extension, wasn't on, and they the stuff that where it dropped was just behind there so consequently those houses there which okay. if I can find if I can read this in the dark Claremont Villas those uh -huh. two were called but they were totally utterly and completely burnt out yeah yeah we cannot see it no. very the shrapnel marks Oh right. Up, all right, up there in the uh, in the eaves. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. below the um, the gutter that yeah. goes along oh, the wow. top. Right. Yeah. Oh, next time I'm walking down in the daytime, right. I'm going to have yeah. a look for that. Yeah. 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 And we're looking at the pavement as well. Yeah. There. 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 Oh wow. And what about that shrapnel? Did that? Yeah. Because it's pretty tough stuff anyway. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, there's some more. Yeah? So, so they took the brunt of it. Yeah. yeah. And the whole lot just burned out. A complete burnout. Yeah. These houses were damaged. Those that ones were good. obliterated. Yeah. Now, as well as that, at the same time, it's not in any of the books that I've read, if we get to this end one, this is where the vicar is now. Right. But that was a primitive Methodist chapel. And it came down to the roadway. And that was obviously yeah. disappeared. Uh, but when they got the compensation, the money to build the houses back up, they did not build it back up on there. They made the memorial hall, which is around the corner. Oh, okay. Up Simon's side. And they put it sideways. And when they built that house for the vicar, because the, the priest used to live in next to Holmlin House, yeah. but it was too cold in the houses there, and so now that's how the priest lives in their house. <laughs> they used to live in the house. So this is, this, is, this is Simon's side, the and the church hall just up there on the, uh, on the left, obviously. And this, this is about where Private Lambs um, saved the bear and lost his, uh, lost his life about on the Simon side corner. And alleged, uh, allegedly the bomb 
dropped onto Simon's side and ricocheted off and and went into uh, into these houses here and as John says blew the lot uh, sky high. So all of these would have been damaged by by it and I mean we're gonna we're gonna meet up by the police station. All the windows were out in the police station as well at the time. So. Get in there. It might be delayed, sorry for the Peter for the Harrison had a thing on Facebook about how his grandfather came down the Woodhorn Lane from the pit expecting to go up to Maitland Terrace and of course got to got to the White House corner and the whole place was uh, was was on fire and uh, and, and destroyed. Where the siren actually was on the, uh, the on the roof there. It's I'm not there. sure. I'm not sure that the siren went off, but, <laughs> <laughs> or if this was it's just still uh, there. yeah. <laughs> At least the base of it is. There you go. It's fascinating. this far down, John, all of the houses would would have their. Uh, windows out and everything. Yeah. Do you know were, were these ones further down? Were I, they affected as I, well? I don't know exactly which ones, yeah. but I would imagine that they would all have suffered yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, as we say, 100 and whatever, 60, 80, whatever houses really damaged. 160. 160. Mm -hmm. Okay, right, well, it's just coming up to 6.30, so it's 80 years now since this actually happened yeah. and since this plane appeared very very uh, close to where people are don't know how how high are those uh, are those houses would you say must must be must are be 50 must, three stories yeah the plane can't have been you know, 50 60 foot high the plane so the plane probably less than the height of those houses again over the year, uh, over the terrifying, terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying. I'm more like what my dad said when he was playing up with um, Oswald Road when they heard the bang and he went terrifying to his granny because he was terrified and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've been when a Lancaster's come over yeah. where I used to where I used to teach them. That was, you know, yeah. enormous, yeah. enormous. Yeah, yeah. But what about um, maybe a Sullivan? Like we had the Coastal Command had Sullivans, Sullivans. Yeah, Sutherland. I think they were Sutherland, Sutherland. Yeah. Um, that this, didn't hurt. These are Dornier or Hankel. As they say, Hankel's a pretty, common yeah, one pretty big. Uh, what's that comparable to? To what we have? Not wouldn't no. know. Not a modest. Uh, but actually, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, um, she had people here who were injured and also she lived at Ashington and she lived in the fourth row and in that war the airplane went through the window and wiped out the family there who was our relatives as well. And 80 years ago tonight. You know, for me this was just such a treat. I felt really privileged to join the group for that evening and I want to thank them all 
again for being such wonderful and knowledgeable hosts. I think everybody listening will have enjoyed this episode. There's some wonderful history in those memories that should just not be forgotten. I do wonder if the local schools use any of these stories when they teach World War II, because they really should. They really, really should. Standing on that street and looking at the star-covered sky, it wasn't difficult to imagine the great and loud shape of a plane suddenly rushing up from the church point, following the snaking road as it runs from the coast to the town centre and beyond. It was an absolutely fascinating evening, Um, a piece of history that I genuinely feel enriched to now know about. I think it's really fitting that we tell this story as part of our way of remembering those that sacrificed so much on battlefields abroad, but also at home and the marks that are left there for us to see 80 years later. I think it's a a really important way of remembering them is to know that there are those marks there, those marks on the pavement, those marks on the wall, the memorial park itself. Those are all places that you can go, those are all things that you can see to help remind you that people were lost in the struggle for the freedoms that now, you know, we so wonderfully and fully enjoy on a daily basis. I hope everyone that's listening to the show at least, will take the time necessary to pause and reflect either on the 11th of November at 11 o'clock or during the Festival of Remembrance ceremony that will probably be aired on the television and also, you know, is held in many public spaces this coming weekend. It's really important to me. Uh, You can probably hear it in my voice. I, I can't hear the last post Uh, without thinking about my own grandfather who um, fought in the Second World War um, and whose role in that war and the camaraderie with his friends who survived and uh, the memory he had of friends who didn't is, is all bound up for me in that very small but extraordinarily moving piece of music that I played at the very beginning. Thank you for listening, everybody. There will be another episode, hopefully out over the weekend, as part of the Remembrance celebrations. I hope you'll tune in to listen to that too. Take care of yourselves, stay safe and well as always, and I will share more stories from the Northeast with you very, very soon.